Welcome to the podcast service of Sydney's FM 103.2. Available on the web at fm1032.com.au. Hello, I'm Kel Richards. Now, we start tonight a brand new series, and it's a really important series, one which I hope will answer some of the big questions you've got, or your friends have got, your mates have got. It's the series called Journey Towards God. Have you ever tried to keep God in a box? You only open the lid when you decide you need some help or advice. And then, when something unpleasant or totally unexpected occurs, you angrily rip open the top and ask of God, what does he think he's doing? I mean, why me? Why this? Why now? Yes, many of us prefer to go it alone, don't we? We seldom take the trouble to carefully read the instructions from the architect of the universe kindly included with our creation, namely the Bible. It's just like the old story about the new washing machine. If you don't read the instructions and you press the wrong button and plug in the wrong thing and damage the machine, how can you blame the manufacturer? Under normal circumstances, the warranty, the guarantee is null and void. The truth is that life is a journey. From the moment of birth, we are on a journey, a journey of discovery, a journey towards maturity. Most importantly, a journey towards God. And the goal of the journey is to find peace with God. We are constantly and restlessly in motion, unsuccessfully searching for joy in earthly delights until we come to rest in God. In union with God, our desires are completely satisfied because we're made for communion with him, for friendship with him. As one ancient classical writer said many centuries ago, God has made us, designed us for himself and our hearts are restless until they find rest in him. We wander from one pleasure to another until we find our true resting place in God. Like the birds in the air or the fish in the sea, God is the natural element in which we live and swim and thrive and are happy. Heaven is the end of the pilgrimage, our native country, our true homeland. This series of radio programs is designed to provide information to help on that journey meant to be a sort of traveller's guide. good place to start is by knowing the goal, knowing the destination. I mean, starting a journey without a clear destination is like using a compass without a needle, like looking for a city that's off the edge of the map, like wandering in the dark or travelling in circles. So, start by knowing where you're heading, and that means knowing God. How is it possible to know God? Well, How is it possible to know anyone? There are two ways. Firstly, we can observe them, look at them and their actions. Secondly, we can ask them to tell us about themselves. For example, let's say you wanted to find out what um, the old silent movie comedian from a century ago, uh, from the 1920s, Charlie Chaplin, was like. You could, firstly, look at his old movies, you know, look at the work he did, and secondly, you could read his autobiography, his book. The old movies would show you what sort of things he made when he was being creative, but his book, which is called My Autobiography, would tell you most about the person. Well, we can do something similar with God. We can look at what he's made, and we can listen to what he has to say. When we look at what God's made, the created world around us, the magnificent cosmos, the vast, starry extent, what do these things tell us about the Maker? Well, the first characteristic that is obvious is great power. 
I mean, you don't knock up galaxies, star systems, quasars, pulsars and black holes in your garage over the weekend. The being who did all of this is immensely powerful. And obviously great intelligence is involved. I mean, if you find high school algebra hard, think how much planning and calculation and powerful intelligent reasoning and logic and so on must go into writing the formula for a whole universe. It's pretty impressive stuff. One Christian, a bloke who is also an astrophysicist, a bloke named Dr. Hugh Ross, looks at it this way. He says, quote, The universe, our galaxy and our solar system exhibit more than 60 characteristics that require exquisite fine-tuning for their very existence and also for the existence of life, any kind of physical life, not just life as we know it. End of quote. In other words, Dr. Ross claims that the physical creation looks suspiciously as if it has been designed specifically to be inhabited by embodied persons. Now, what conclusion should we draw from this? Well, here's Hugh Ross's conclusion. Dr. Ross says, quote, The entity who brought the universe into existence must be personal, intelligent, powerful, and caring. Personal, intelligent, and powerful, because only a super-intelligent, super-powerful person could design and manufacture what we see, including life. Caring, for only care could explain the enormous investment of creative effort, the intention to intricate detail, and the comprehensive provision for our needs. End of quote. But in trying to draw a picture of God from his creation, we have to also acknowledge that in many respects this world is dysfunctional. It's broken. There is evil and suffering. How could God allow, or worse still cause, that kind of thing? Well, it's a big question, and I'll try to unpack it over the next few nights. In the meantime, we can agree, I think, that we are dealing here with a very powerful, very intelligent being. Well, now, what about the other way of knowing what a person is like? You know, the things they tell us about themselves. The book called My Autobiography by Charles Chaplin tells us more about Chaplin the person than his old movies ever can. Has God done something similar? Has God ever produced his autobiography? Well, the claim, of course, is that the Bible is exactly that, God's self-revealing communication to the human race, telling us all we need to know about himself and his intentions his plans and purposes for us and our lives. I am persuaded that the Bible is God's book. Of the millions of books in the world, it is the only one God has authored. Now, in what follows tonight and again tomorrow night, I'm going to present some evidence for this as briefly and clearly as I can. Maybe a description is a good place to start. The Bible is in fact a collection of books, 66 documents collected and bound together written by around 40 different human authors over a period of something like a 1,000 years or more, could be as much as 1,500 years. The Bible is divided into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament was written in two ancient languages, mostly in Hebrew, small amount of it in a language called Aramaic. And the New Testament was written in Greek. Some of those uh, 66 documents, and those 66 documents are called books, 66 books, some are history, some are poetry, some letters, and some other kinds of writing. The first sign of God's hand in the Bible is that this book, 66 documents by 40 authors over more than a 1,000 years, has a single plot line, tells a single story, focusing on a single theme. That is pretty remarkable. It begins with a stark, simple, powerful, poetic account of creation. 
It goes on to explain what's gone wrong with creation and what God is doing about what has gone wrong. From beginning to end, the Bible is about relationships. It tells us that relationship is the currency of the universe. Today, many people believe money is the measure of all things. But the Bible says relationships are the measure of all things. It says that God is the loving maker and ruler of the universe who made us to be relational beings, just as he is relational. It tells how our ancient primeval parents violated relationships, destroyed trust, corrupted human nature. In other words, it explains why the world is the way it is today. The Bible records how God has responded to this rebellion by the human race against its maker. And as I'll explain later in this series, God's response revolves around Jesus, who he is and why he's come and what he's done. The Bible then tells us how we are meant to respond to what God has done. And the Bible tells us what happens next. How human lives and human history end in judgment. Now, that is a very, very short summary of a very big book, God's book. Some people want to know how. How did God control the production of this book? Well, I think it's a bit of a side issue, but I'll I'll give you an answer anyway. I propose that God is the co-author of the Bible. Or to put it the other way around, the 40 human authors of the Bible are co-authors who worked with God on what they wrote. Now, let me explain what I mean by a co-author. When a famous person decides to write a book, a movie star, sports star, politician, quite commonly they will call in the services of a professional writer as co-author. Sometimes the co-author gets credit on the cover, you know, as told to. Sometimes the co-author is kept in the background and becomes what we call a ghostwriter. In such a situation, the words, the style, come from the writer, the co-author. But the content... The content comes from the famous person whose name will appear on the cover. In the Bible, the style, the personality in print, comes from the human author. But the content comes from God. It is his book, his content. And he inspired and mobilized the personalities and the literary styles of some 40 human authors to communicate that content. That makes the Bible the most powerful communications device in the universe. Far cleverer than any electronic gadget on Star Trek, open up the Bible and open up your mind and you will hear from God, from the conscious, powerful, personal intelligence behind the universe. Can that claim be tested? Yes, it can. Mainly by reading the Bible. It speaks with its own authority. Anything I can say will be feeble contrast with the authority with which the Bible itself speaks. There is really only one way to test the Bible, and that is to read the Bible. The New Testament part of the Bible begins with four short biographies of Jesus, named after the four human co-authors who wrote them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read one of those. Better still, read all four. They're quite short. That is the test. There is no better test. Okay, here's our thought for the nights from Psalm 14, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, Only a fool would say, there is no God. People like that are worthless. They are heartless and cruel and never do right. From heaven, the Lord looks down to see if anyone is wise enough to search for him. Until tomorrow night at this time, thanks for your company. I'm Kel Richards. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed this FM 103.2 podcast. 
To listen to more great audio, visit fm1032.com.au.